If you have a Bible, open it up to 1 Peter. We are in 1 Peter, still in chapter 1 uh, today. We're looking at verses 13 through 21. My, uh, my oldest daughter, who plays the keyboard here, Lily, she is uh, running cross country right now this, this fall. And uh, I, I've really made it a point to go to some of her cross country meets this year because last year I didn't go to any of them. Uh, because I had, I had super important ministry stuff to do on Saturdays. And because watching running is really boring. There, I said it. Sorry, I'm a pastor. I'm not allowed to lie about these kind of things. Uh, but I, I've gone to some this year, and they're not actually that bad. They're, they're, they're kind of fun. I, I love her coach. Her coach is uh, uh, named uh, Jill, Jill Harden. Her assistant coach is uh, Dave Harden, who's the pastor of the Lutheran Church at the end of Cottonwood there. Super awesome people. Just really great. Very sweet. Uh, so at the last meet, uh, I was talking with uh, uh, Dave, and Dave just commented, you know, Lily's really doing great this year she's really running well like she finally gets that that she's a runner he said last year I had to take all the kids and like have them say out loud I am a runner (laughs) to like try and get it in their heads that that they're runners like that's that's who they are that's part of their identity to get them to to really believe that truth about themselves like yeah your your feet hurt and you have shin splints and you've got blisters and your muscles are sore yeah you're a runner that's part of the deal like you're gonna run six miles in practice not a big deal because you're a runner and that's what runners do uh I think for, for running and probably for most sports, really a, a lot of success has to do with mental preparation, right? It's, it's with understanding who you are and, and, and what you need to do. And, and it seems like Peter understands this about people because he spends the whole first part of this letter just reminding Christians of who they are and who they belong to and where they're headed. He starts off with this amazing reminder of the gospel of salvation through faith in Jesus. He highlights uh, some of the blessings that come from that gospel, that we're saved and that we're sealed and that we have this this living hope in us. And and so really up to this point, there's no commands. There's no instructions. There's just reminders. But, but with that as, as like the foundation, in light of who we are as believers, Peter gives this instruction in verse 13. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. If you address as Father, the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth knowing that you are not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood, as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, 
the blood of Christ. For He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you, who through Him are believers in God, who raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Oh man, what, a, what an amazing section of Scripture. Here, uh, Peter intertwines these theological concepts of holiness and hope. There's this, this intermingling of our responsibility as believers and God's blessings to us. There are things that, that we need to do and those things are built on the foundation of what God has already done for us. This section here, it can be confusing. The concepts in here can be confusing because there's so much bad theology out there. Peter is talking to believers in Jesus and instructing them to do things, but he's not saying that you have to do these things in order to be saved. That you have to act this way to earn your salvation. That, that's a works-based religion, and that's not at all what Peter is communicating here. That's, that's, the, that's the Judaizers who said that you had to be circumcised and go through all the Jewish rituals in order to really be a Christian and really be saved. That's, that's like Gnostic theology that, that teaches that, that basically your body's bad and you have to not do certain things in order to earn salvation. That's Arianism, that's, which is just modern-day Mormonism, which is it's the same basic thing, just different underwear. It's all bad theology. Really, any religion or cult of Christianity that teaches that you have to do certain things to earn your way into heaven is wrong. Because God says, God's Word says, that we are saved by grace. And grace is a free gift. By definition, it can't be earned. So Christianity teaches that all of the work that needs to be done was done by Jesus. That's the Gospel. And Peter has already explained that to us. And part of the saving work of God is, is freeing us from slavery to sin. We're given the Holy Spirit of God who redeems us, who, who resides in us, who guides us and directs us. And so we have the ability now to live a life of, of holiness that brings honor to the God who saved us. And the reason that we can do these things, the reason that we can live the way that we're instructed to live is because, again, because of what God has done. Does that, does that make sense? I think we're probably all on the same page here. Like, I really want to emphasize that. I want us to understand that salvation is not something that we work for before we move forward. So the fact that our salvation comes as this act of God's grace and, and then our good works come as a result is seen in the very first word in verse 13. The very first word is therefore, right? And my, my uh, old wise predecessor, Pastor Henry Tucker, used to always say, whenever you see a therefore, you have to ask, what is it? Therefore, he remember, good, he'd be happy. <laughs> What is it there for? What's it talking about? What's it going back to? In this case, Peter is pointing back to verses 3 through 12. 
that were all about how we're born again and given new life through our faith in Jesus and how that faith is being refined through various trials. And how this awesome salvation that we have is something that the Old Testament prophets eagerly anticipated. That this salvation that we have is such a blessing, such an awesome thing. So because of that, because of who you are, because of your salvation, with that as the starting point, therefore, prepare your minds for action. And keep sober in spirit. And fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, because of who you are, pursue holiness and thought and action. Prepare your minds for action. Uh, the original Greek of this has a, has a weird figure of speech where he's actually saying, gird up the loins of your mind. Which, which is a, a word picture, girding up your loins. It just means like tuck your, tuck your skirt up into your belt and get ready to run because you, you need to be able to move quickly. And in this case, Peter wants us to mentally prepare for action, for life as believers. There is this spiritual battle that we face, and we need to be mentally ready for it. There's an enemy that will keep trying to trip us up. And there's this old sin nature that's going to keep trying to drag us back to worthless things. And there is this world that we live in that will scorn holiness and encourage us to conform. Be ready in the face of opposition and trials. Be sober in spirit, he says. And, and, I, and I don't think he's, he's talking so much about, like, don't get drunk, although that's always good advice. This is, a, this is be, be mentally aware. Be, be on guard. When we're intoxicated, usually we don't have control and we're, uh, it dulls us, it weakens us, even controls us. Don't be like that. Don't let anything in this world dull you or control you or weaken you or trip you. Be ready. Be sharp. Be prepared. In other words, Peter's telling us, just remember who you are and who you belong to and where you're headed. And because of that, because of who you are, Pursue that life of holiness in thought and action. I think it's interesting that it, that it starts with the thought life, right? It's, it starts up here. Our holiness, our faith, our obedience to God starts at the level of our thoughts and intentions. And, and I think it needs to be an intellectual thing. Uh, like a volitional thing. Not, not merely an emotional thing. Because our feelings are fickle and spastic and they change all the time. They change depending on the weather and they change depending on what we had for dinner and they change depending on how much sleep we had. Making life choices based on our changing emotions is always a bad idea. That's why Peter urges us to mentally prepare for a life of faithfulness and holiness and obedience to God. Make that choice ahead of time. Mentally get psyched up. 
And we, and we do that by regularly reminding ourselves of who we are. Just, just like that cross-country team needs to remind themselves that they're runners. We need to remember that we're Christians, that we're children of God, that we are a new creation, that we are citizens of heaven, that we are people of the Word, and that we are Spirit-filled. That we are no longer sinners, slaves, people who live in the dark. That's, that's just not us anymore. We, we need to mentally remember that truth and cling to it. And, and know that we're going to face opposition and scorn and trials. Sure, that's just part of the deal. It's part of what it means to be a Christian. And so it's not going to be a surprise when we face those things. Really, my main goal this morning is I want all of us to walk out of here with this, with this clear sense of who we are in Christ. I want you to mentally understand. I want you to grasp who you really are and, and know it and believe it so that when you leave here, you'll live it out. I think that's what Peter wants us to do through this passage. That we know who we are and we act accordingly even, even during those times where we don't really feel like it. So we're to pursue holiness in thought and action. And the way that we do that, one of the ways that we do that is by fixing our hope on Christ's return. Right? Our, our life of holiness is totally grounded on our hope in Christ. Peter tells us here to fix our hope fully all of it, completely, on the grace to come at the revelation of Jesus. In, in contrast to our, our tendency, which is to fix our hope on other things, or to think that we can fix our hope on a couple of things. But usually we can't. We really can't fix our hope on more than one thing. Either we're hoping in this and not that, or, we usually fix our hope in, in our job, in our relationships, in money, in uh, our abilities, and our skills, and our talents. Fix our hope in those things. And what Peter is saying is, yeah, the, use those things to honor Christ, but fix your hope on Him. Because those other things, all of them will let you down eventually, sooner or later, but Jesus won't. And so th this makes sense. To me, because I, I don't know, I don't know about you, but I, I feel like in my own life I struggle the most at obeying God during those times when I've forgotten about who I am and I start fixing my hope on something else, like something I want or a direction I want to go. It. it it takes a work of the Holy Spirit to convict me and to steer me back and to get my focus back where it needs to be. Right? Is that just me? Is that, does anybody else feel that way sometimes? I know we're in church and we're not supposed to talk about sin or things that we do wrong, uh, but it's okay. We're all friends here. We can share. Right? I, I think sometimes we struggle with this one. So Peter urges us to pursue holiness in thought and in action, by setting our hope, never forgetting, always remembering the reality of the fact that Jesus Christ is coming again soon. And there is a lot of hope and encouragement that we gain from that.
Next, Peter urges us to pursue holiness by not conforming to a life of sin. Verse 14, as obedient children, do not conform to the former lusts which were yours in ignorance. And I love this. Even in this admonition to avoid sin, he tosses in this reminder of who we are. Did you catch it? Do you see it? Who are we? Obedient children. That's who we are. Don't forget that. Don't forget who you are. And because of that, because you're obedient children, don't conform to those former lusts anymore. Now, before God saved us, we lived for ourselves and we cared about our own desires. And of course we did. That's all we knew. What else could we do? We didn't know any better. We were slaves to sin. But, but here Peter urges us to no longer be conformed to that kind of lifestyle because you are born again. We have a new hope. The words of Peter here really remind me of that, that verse that Jim shared in his prayer just a minute ago from Romans 12 too. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Interesting. Paul, so Paul tells us not to be conformed to the world because... Obviously, this world's fallen and it's sinful and it's messed up. But instead, he urges us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, right? Both Peter and Paul say it's, it's got to be something that happens up here. It's got to be something that you understand. There's got to be a change that takes place where you really know who you are. Be mentally transformed, not, not merely emotionally affected, and not even behaviorally. It's not even about doing better. It's, it's about having your mind and your desires and your intentions changed by God. So here in, in 1 Peter 1.14, he tells us to not be conformed to our old sinful lust, to, to pursue holiness through our hope in the transforming work of Christ. Look at verses 15, 16 again. But like the Holy One who calls you, be holy yourselves in all your behavior. Because it's written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Oh, man. Is any, anybody else read that and think, oh, crud. I can't do that. <laughs> I can't. Like, I, I don't think I can do. That seems unreasonable to even... Ask me. Like, I can't even make it through like an hour long church service without like coveting my neighbor's coffee and lying about how happy I am. Like, I can't do this, God. I don't feel holy. I don't feel like I can do, I feel sinful. I feel like a, a failure constantly. I feel like I'm not able to do what you've asked me to do. I'm not good enough. I've, I've, I've sometimes I just, I feel so bad that I just forget it. I can't. What's the point? If that's the standard, I can't, I can't succeed. Is that, is that, again, is that just me? Or do you guys feel that way sometimes? But, but what has Peter been trying to tell us this whole time? He's been trying to tell us, change the way that you think. You've got to change your mind. I know how you feel. I know that you feel like a sinner and you feel like a failure 
all the time, but who are you? Who do you belong to? And, and where are you headed? Do, do you believe those truths? Do you believe what God has told you? Stop, stop acting on your feelings and instead act on what you know to be true. Oh man, it's only a couple verses in and we're already messing that up. And Peter says, you are elect. You are chosen by God. You are sanctified by the Spirit. You are sprinkled by the blood of the Son. You are born again. You are obedient children. God is your Father. That's who you are. In, in chapter 2, Peter will repeat these things all throughout this book. He'll repeat these things to try and drive it into our heads who we really are, just in case we forget. You are a, a chosen race, he says. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a, a people for God's own possession. So when Peter tells you, be holy, because the Holy One who called you is holy, it's, it's not his way of demanding that we do something that we can't do. It's not a call to feel holy. It's a call to realize that we are holy in Christ. That through our faith in Jesus Christ, we are sanctified and set apart and forgiven for, for all of those sins that make us feel so lousy. We are holy and pure in the sight of God because of what Jesus has done for us. And so again, He's not asking us uh, to be something that we can never be. He's asking us to be who we are. Do you see the difference? Do you understand what He's trying to communicate to us? I really think that changes things too. Do we believe that? Because of what Jesus has done, we are holy. Like, do I have to have you say it out loud? I am a runner. I mean, I am holy. <laughs> it's and believing that, understanding who we are is going to affect what we do and how we live our life and the choices that we make. It's like, it's like the married couple that's been married for a long time and there's all kinds of busyness and they have jobs and they have kids and they've grown apart and they feel like they're just roommates. They feel like they don't ever see each other. They feel like they don't even know each other anymore. They feel like they're not even married. There's a good chance if they act on that feeling it's only going to make things worse, right? It's not going to make things better. But if they act on the, the truth that they are married and committed and they do love each other, then things can get better. In the same way, if we, if we don't feel like children of God, if we don't feel like we're holy, if we don't feel like we're spirit-filled, uh, acting on that feeling is only going to make things worse, not better. But it's when we know the reality and the truth of who we are and who we belong to and where we're headed. That knowledge, that confidence, that hope enables us to live lives that are holy and set apart. Uh, one, of, one of my commentaries defined that word holy in this way. It means set apart 
from this world and for God. I think that's a helpful definition for us. So here's what we're encouraged to be. Set apart from this world because we're not from this world. We're, not, we're, not, we're just passing through here, right? You're no longer citizens of this world. You're strangers and sojourners and you're a resident alien and you are citizens of heaven. So be set apart from this world and be set apart for God. Set apart for service and obedience to God, for God's glory and for God's purposes. Because that's the reality of who we are. And when we mentally grasp that truth, we're far more likely to act on it. We are holy because God is holy. We're not holy because we try harder. We're not holy because we're perfect. We're not holy because of anything that we've done. Our holiness is all about what God has done for us. And it's grounded in that transforming work of Jesus. Again, so our, our hope is not in us or our holiness or our ability to act a certain way, but totally in Jesus. Finally, uh, Peter says, pursue holiness because God is our Father. And God is a Father who, who judges, who disciplines, who admonishes His children. Verse 17, if you address as Father, the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, then conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. Again, be holy because God is your Father. And this isn't some sort of weird threat. This isn't talking about, about God judging your eternal state. If you don't act a certain way here on this earth, it's, it's obvious from the text, he's saying conduct yourself in fear during your time on this earth. This is simply Peter again telling us to live in step with who we are. Peter is calling us to live our lives here on earth with the knowledge that God is our Father with respect and reverence that leads to obedience. And, and as a loving father, with this understanding that God will discipline us and correct us because He cares about us. Live, live with that knowledge that God is our Father. And live with that understanding that God cares about how we live our lives. And live with that knowledge that you were not redeemed, adopted, brought into the family with perishable things like gold and silver, but with the precious blood of Christ. All of those things are true, right? We just need to live our lives like we really believe that they're true. We need to live our lives with, with holiness and obedience because... Christ has redeemed us for that purpose. Again, our, our hope is not in ourselves. It's totally in Jesus Christ. I know, I know this, this seems repetitive. I, 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 but I think Peter is 
repeating these same things over and over again to try and pound this truth in our head that our holiness is because of our hope in Christ. That the work of Jesus is the foundation for the way that we live our, our lives. That it's the saving work of Christ that makes it possible for us to live in, in obedience to God's Word. That, that as obedient children, we, we can honor our, our Father. That we can live a life that is set apart from the world and for God because of what He's done for us. We just need to live every day with that knowledge of who we are and who we belong to and where we're headed. God, I pray that that would be the case, that You would help us to understand and to truly live out that knowledge that we are Yours, that we are Your children, that we have been saved and redeemed and pulled out of that old slavery to sin and that old life that You've redeemed us for a purpose. God, enable us to live our lives in a way that brings You glory and honor. To never forget for a moment that we're Yours and that we're different and that we are going to be set apart and we are going to stand out in this world. God, transform us through the work of Your Holy Spirit in us so that we do have lives that bring You the glory and the honor that You deserve. Thank You again, God, for saving us and for adopting us and for making us Your own. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.